Does anyone other than a branding expert really understand what branding is all about? This is a thought that always came to my mind even though I've been part of branding exercises. I never really paid attention to what it was all about until I found myself being part of an organization where branding was a key service offering. Added to that, there are innumerable articles and a plethora of knowledge that's available around branding. So I thought, how about having a conversation with Linda Jacob, my colleague at Clearly Blue, who's our resident branding expert and who came into branding via her own unique experiences, not as a branding specialist, more like she stumbled into it and being someone who naturally observes the process today has her own brand of branding. Listen on to find out more. Hi Linda. Hi Chitra. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to for quite some time because we said we're about learning marketing and design. So, one aspect of marketing that I'm looking forward to having conversations with you today is around branding. Branding as a means of you know, helping people to understand a company, what it does, its purpose, its values, its offering has, has been around for years and years and years. I would say even thousands of years. And uh, I am quite curious about how you came to be doing what you do around branding for companies. So that is definitely going to be part of this conversation. And what have been some of your experiences and what is it that you can share with our listeners around this topic? Okay, Chitra. So branding is something I, it was very serendipitous. I happened to attend branding workshops with some of my colleagues and I found it interesting to hear conversations. And then I participated in a branding workshop as a representative of another company where I was at the other end of the table. So in one case, I was with a group of people who were facilitating a branding workshop. And in another couple of cases, I was part of the team that had to answer the questions to develop the brand. And both sides of the table looked very interesting to me. When I first heard the questions that a facilitator or a brand expert would ask the client, what I felt was it was like, you know, meeting somebody for the first time and getting introduced to them and trying to understand who they are as a person. So most of the time when you are asked to build a website or build collateral for a brand, uh, whether they have a brand book or a brand guideline as a design team and a marketing team, because we, we are both and we most of the time go together, we have to understand the client. We have to understand their vision, where they want to be going, what their customer persona is, who are they talking to, who are their audience, who do they want to represent themselves as, which is actually questions that you ask a new acquaintance when you meet them for the first time. When you shake your hands with a person that you're meeting for the first time, maybe in a conference or a meeting or even at home, uh, you say, hi, 
how are you who are you what is your name what are you doing right these are the questions we ask i consider a branding exercise to be an extension of that conversation it is like we as a company getting introduced to you as a brand and understanding you as a brand and then it would be like me after getting introduced to you chitra uh, i i met you for the first time i talked to you i understand what you were doing and all that and then uh, i meet somebody else and i then talk about chitra to that person so i am actually taking the essence of chitra and going and talking to a third person about who chitra is and representing chitra in a certain way that's my simplistic approach to branding that's very beautifully put in fact coincidentally it was exactly the same thoughts that were coming to my mind mm. when you were describing how you discover mm. a company yeah. it's much like how you discover the person isn't exactly. it exactly you are act and actually branding at the essence of it is humanizing the brand because marketers and marketing gurus over the years have realized that people connect only with people whether it's so if you let's say you're a b2b enterprise which is what clearly blue normally does right um, you would think that a company talks to a company so it is like two gigantic inhuman things talking to each other sorry that doesn't work you as the company's representative are talking to another company where another human is hearing it could be the c suite it could be whoever is the buyer in that particular company and that buyer contrary to what we all believe is not really interested is interested in the features benefits solutions everything that you as a potential what do you say vendor or solutions provider wants to provide but he will or he or she will only connect with the human communication that you bring to the table we can talk about anything else but i think chitra you agree with me you only buy into a brand if you can understand the brand and if you actually like the brand as if it were a person right otherwise you don't trust so for a human being trust comes from understanding and recognizing that this is a similar person not a similar inanimate object we don't trust and we do not give loyalty to inanimate objects that's why all the big brands in the world i feel have developed their own character which is very human like because as humans we can only connect to another human being we cannot connect to anything else what's a brand that you identify with it could be anything what is a brand that i identify with oh my god chitra you put me in trouble so actually when i joined clearly blue i didn't realize that i do identify with a brand okay but i do i've realized that the ethos of the company and even for god's sake the owl that we have i identify with it right so i do identify with that if you ask me for any other brand that i identify with i don't know i can talk to you about a brand archetype that i think i identify with in every man i think i'm a very every man kind of person who can go and sneak myself into a corner and sit there interesting and i'm going to come back to that question later <laughs> about archetypes and the what happens when you actually introduce people to the concept of an archetype <laughs> but before that i remember being in a conversation with a client just a couple of days ago and somebody asked what does adeptic mean <laughs> and the minute we said that it means enabling people to become adept mm. at what they do mm-hmm. it really was an aha moment mm. for me personally because i was telling our the story behind our brand mm. which is what we want uh, 
people in the workplace to be mm. by you know consuming any of the adeptic learning products mm. that we have and it was so easy to just say it it came out in one sentence we said we want people to be adept mm. at what they do and therefore adeptic mm. of course the follow on story up to that was you know finding a mm. a domain name that was unique etc but all that was aside the reaction or the response from people who were listening to us was an immediate connect hmm. so i i see the need to humanize yes, what it is definitely yeah. unless you humanize it we don't connect with it we don't understand it we we might say that we are intellectual beings and we think with our with our intellect and we look at features and uh, we look at benefits and chitra you are a very scientific uh, what do you say intellectual person who looks at things or tries to look at things very very neutrally but i think what we all have to admit to is unless you connect with the person at the other end of the table and that person can be a brand or anything and that has to be something that is a human connection it doesn't go through so would you say that's one of the lessons and we'll come back to that a little later mm. that any person who is trying to help mm. an individual or an organization with a branding exercise needs to be aware of yes and i think if you are a, if you want to build yourself as a brand expert or learn to do a branding exercise i personally feel you should be inherently curious about what makes the other person or the other company tick and that curiosity because most of the time branding exercises are long drawn out affairs so recently i went into a branding exercise where the person the spark at the other end told me that oh linda uh, two and a half hours of all my uh, all my big uh, leaders coming into a room and spending their time with you are you going to give them some activities you can't keep on asking them questions they might not want to answer it so she was very anxious about it and i started thinking to myself yes that's true right uh, i'm this weird person who goes into a room and starts asking questions like why did you start this where are you going and most of the time people are like why should we answer all these questions what does it matter it's funny because mm. in a if you just flip the scenario mm. to a social setting mm. and you had to meet those same people let's say in an informal environment mm. outside somewhere mm. and you were to ask them the same questions mm. they would be more than enthusiastic to respond exactly to you, right? yeah <laughs> so that's exactly what you should do in a branding exercise i personally feel a branding exercise should be a personal exercise where you talk to the individuals so the three of four people that come together in a branding exercise are actually the people that represent the company that you are trying to build the brand for those people are essentially the essence of the company and if they are not the essence of the company and your spark or whoever is facilitating this exercise makes a mistake of calling just a few random people to do the exercise it's gone you won't get a brand archetype you won't get a brand message you won't get a brand voice that you want it will be something or the other so the people that come in should be people that actually have have a say or have have imbibed the ethos of the company i wouldn't even say that you have to get the 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 founders of the company or anything but they should be people who have spent sufficient amount of time in the company to have imbibed the brand and who actually own the brand and actually walk and talk the brand you don't need to be a founder for that you just need to be a person who is uh, so aligned to the brand that you know what it is or someone who has connected so well with the workplace has yeah. perhaps even found that what that organization is doing is 
very close to their own purpose yeah. or is helping them achieve their purpose. Absolutely. And, and very often, if you see, this is very interesting because very often as as a coach and uh, even someone who has helped to define goals for an organization, uh, we always say that purpose, that mm. goal, if it ties into purposes of individuals, then you know that the organization is geared towards Absolutely. Success. So, the fact of the matter is an organization, again, I, I'm sorry to simplify this, an organization is actually the composite of its individuals. Yes. And an organization that grows is an organization that is aligned towards the same goal and vision and is going towards the same purpose. You can have, and I strongly believe that, an, and I don't know whether we are digressing with this conversation, Chitra, I strongly believe that an organization need not necessarily be a composite of like like people. It should be a diverse set of individuals. But the diverse set of individuals need to be able to work together cohesively towards a single goal. And it could be that they work in different ways. And I think you and I are typical examples for it. I think we are as different as we could possibly be, right? Um, but I think there is an alignment in the way we think. And we are working towards a common goal. You and I agree to disagree on nine out of the 10 topics we talk about, but there is that one thing that we have a common goal or purpose towards, which makes us able to work together. So you and I going into a branding session representing Adeptic or Clearly Blue would work, right? And I think that's what you need in a branding session. When a facilitator is bringing together people to a branding session, it would be preferable if they don't bring like people together. It could be people who are like us, who are so different that we will argue, but who they would always have a common goal. And those kind of conversations are actually more interesting. I went into a branding session about two, three years ago with one company that brought in eight representatives to the meeting. And it was one of my earlier branding sessions. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with all of these people? And how am I going to figure out? So we, we, we normally go into these branding sessions with two, three people and two of them mostly designers because God knows what colors and schemes they want to put into the picture. There were these eight individuals who came into this meeting and I was I was like, what am I going to do with them? I, I don't know how to get information from them. I had designers with me and they were like, Linda, are we going to figure out what is happening? The brand archetype, figuring out the brand archetype and it took us two sessions of one and a half hours each. We had to go in and this was during COVID times, so it was all online. Okay, it took us another third session to find their uh, brand positioning, their brand voice, the user persona and all of that. But what I learned from that exercise is all of these people were very passionate about their organization from various individuals. One was a scientist, one was an accountant, one was a teacher. And this was an NGO that they had found together. So naturally, as you would normally assume, right, Chitra, in NGO, we would have people from different experiences, different life places. They come together and they're going towards a single goal. Uh, we found a brand archetype for them. We did their brand uh, brand book and it was one of the most satisfying experiences I've had, though the most difficult. But I think it became so satisfying because they argued about everything. So much so that I had to do a pivot table for the brand archetype. They had so <laughs> many options. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it was good. It was good. So coming to this topic of, I, I think we've covered some very interesting aspects, Linda, is about how you get people together, who they should be, what kind of points of view they need to bring to the table, and how all of that contributes towards the creation of a good brand, mm. so to speak. So going a little bit into some of the details of it, what 
is the importance or the essence of helping people understand what their brand archetype is. What is it? So a lot of people feel that it's not necessary. And yeah, it's not really. But what it does is it helps your marketing and design teams later on, right? Otherwise, you'll be saying the same thing again and again to a whole host of people. So your brand archetype is the humanization of your brand. So all of us have personas. Like if you and if you speak to a person for maybe half an hour or one hour, normally after a certain level of experience, you form an impression in your mind about who that person is, right? You think to yourself that, oh, this is this kind of a person, more of an introvert or maybe an extrovert, very jolly. Don't we go out there and say, oh, this person is so jolly and good to talk to. He's, he's, he'll, he'll carry the party forward or, oh, he's, he, he, he'll just sit in a corner uh, or he's he's more of the thinking kind. Uh, this guy is very scientific. This lady is amazing. Right. We'll say things like that based on our impressions. With a brand, because there's no, a brand doesn't have the human bit of it. You have to build it. You have to give the brand all the human elements that make the brand human. You have to give the brand a bit of a, a voice. So you have to say that your brand should talk in this language. Your brand can be jolly, cheerful. You can be an M&M, okay? Or you can decide to say that, no, my brand should be authoritative. It should be like the Mercedes-Benz, right? Or you can say that this brand, my brand should be a lover, should be more like a, a very, very sensual perfume, per se, for se. So your brand should actually evoke an emotion in the other, the person who encounters the brand. What the emotion is depends upon what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to communicate and who are you trying to attract to listen to what you're saying. The brand archetype, the way I look at it is, is the way, and it's very difficult. You can't tell, you can't go to a client and say, okay, should your brand archetype talk this way, do this, dance this way, shake hands this way. It's better to tell them, give them like cards that say, okay, do you want, and normally we advise brands that brand archetypes should not be a single archetype. So brand archetypes are like, for example, some of the brand archetypes, when I name, you would understand them, the magician, the ruler, uh, the sage, the everyman, okay, the the creator, the magician and the, the, the sage, for example, are people that might, uh, the sage obviously is the knowledgeable person. The magician is a person who might transform something for people, right? The everyman is your friendly everyman who will help you uh, do stuff and will walk along with you wherever you're going, will accompany you on your journey. IKEA actually says that they are the everyman. Have you noticed the way the products that they show, they show you, they invite you into their, uh, into their, what do you say, their showroom, shop, showroom yeah. and they invite you to sit on the sofa. Uh, they, they don't say that the sofa is kept far away and you can't touch it. They let you experience it because they feel that they are one with you. That's every man, isn't it? So brands actually that actually speak and talk the way that their archetype is, they are able to connect with you with that human touch. So I, uh, uh, this just got me thinking mm. uh, because I worked for so many years in tech. Mm. I'm wondering, mm. are tech people more like sages? So know, that's so interesting. You know, there's so much of wisdom yeah. and uh, a lot of especially tech that has, I worked in tech companies that built infrastructure. Mm. And I think the first thing that people who bought your products or rather invested in your product mm. 
have to know that you were trustworthy, mm. you were reliable, yeah. uh, that you would respond to them in their time of need. Mm. And these typically are organizations that are running critical operations at mm. the back, rather enabling you know, infrastructure for the organization to function the way mm. it ought to be functioning. And uh, it mattered that you were able to relate to their problem space, which mm. could be pretty complex in most cases. It could be that you understand your customer's customer, mm. typical in a B2B space, and so on. Mm. Uh, and that's the thing that came to my mind is, that would be a sage. It would be a sage. But interestingly, do you know what? A lot of clients that we've worked with in the SaaS space identify themselves to the magician. Ah, that could be the... the transformation. The, the, the transformation. So I would have expected them to actually identify or ally themselves to maybe the creator. Oh, right. That's Lego, for example. Right. But surprisingly uh, when you talk about the archetypes and give them like the the brand voices that align with it and all that a lot of the SaaS tech companies that we work with sort of gravitate towards the magician and I think that is because technologists I think at heart believe that technology is magic that's wonderful <laughs> in, okay in many ways and I think in people's yeah. minds also that's yes. how people relate to yeah. It. yeah yeah so for yeah. me because I'm not a technology person for me it's magic so I agree with them <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny. I think I'm coming to this conversation with my own bias, I suppose, where, you know, having dealt with customers like that, mm. they want an assurance. So they, they want... To be able to trust you. Yeah. So most of... So for mo most of the time, uh, they relate to a combination of the magician with something else, like maybe the sage, very true, the sage, or even the explorer, something which is more grounded. Okay, uh, I have never seen a technology company think that they are the outlaw, <laughs> which is the Harley Davidsons of the world. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. But yeah, so somehow or the other, your own personality seeps in. Isn't the Harley Davidson an explorer in some ways? You would get <laughs> out a Harley Davidson and go and explore. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe Harley Davidson themselves are changing. So the other thing about branding is... Brand archetypes change through the years, okay? You start as a brand and then it's like human. See, one of the things we should always understand, and that's the beauty of brands. Consider that the brand is a human version of your company. And as human beings, we also change, okay? I might have started out as something else maybe many years ago. And now I'm something else today. The same with you, right, Chitra? I think you might have been an outlaw before and now you're a sage, right? Okay. I don't know what I was before, but I think I'm more of the joker and the lover types now. <laughs> okay. So, so in some sense, it's as we as humans, whether we like to admit it or not, yeah. we do evolve. And mm. companies also evolve. Exactly. And then I have a question for you, though. Mm. Mm. How easy or how difficult is it for companies to take that decision about rebranding when they know that they have reached a certain stage where they need to? So, yeah. So, the thing I feel is that it is a natural evolution. And especially when you have a combination, that's why we always advise clients to take a combination of two brand archetypes. Like you take two. You say that you are a magician and a sage, for example. Or you say that you are a caregiver and a creator. That could be a very good thing for a tech, health tech company. 
a caregiver brand is a hospital health brand and uh, the the creator is the innovator so if i i had a client who who's a startup with in the health tech industry and what what we finally decided on was the combination of a of a caregiver and a cre- and a creator so he was toggling between creator and magician by the way okay so the magician is something which is a hook for the technologists um but see you have the two two brands and there are people who have three so after some time what happens is as you progress in your growth as a company and you gain authority you might decide that you want a combination of the ruler there for example mm. because you've become the authoritative person in the or you you are the first person who's got got to that space right you can even decide that hey, i want to leave away the the caregiver and i want to become a sage so and at because your brand voice isn't the brand voice of just one of the archetypes it's just a slight tweaking of your brand voice and maybe your message and like our design experts tell you your logo and everything needs a refresh after 5 to 6 years it needn't be that you change the logo completely but that you you sort of align it to the latest trends they come back and tell you weird things like oh nowadays we don't have this style the gradient doesn't work and all that chitra but they know what they're talking about the the, the the design experts right so i think it works i don't think it's such a big painful exercise as we would think it is because it is natural for us to grow and evolve and change that's that's very heartening to hear and mm-hmm. i hope uh, a lot of our listeners who could be coming from anywhere and from any industry are actually listening to this because i often hear the other side of the story and now i'm wondering is are they more worried about the effort that goes or the process behind the change versus the change itself i think it is the change itself uh, as again it's a very human tendency to mm. actually resist, resist any change resist yeah. change okay yeah nice so you know when often times as is any process of discovery it is iterative mm. and it's almost like you are building one on top of the other and to help people actually see what is emerging mm. often takes time oh, it's yes. difficult right so what are some of those tips or techniques that you can share with our listeners uh, that have helped you bring you know people of diverse thoughts passionate people people who have different uh, points of view and towards you know somewhere everything has to converge towards actually creating your brand uh, getting the colors right or rather building the brand book What are some of those uh, tips and techniques that you use to help people move towards those points of convergence? So what I think the biggest thing is the facilitator the brand expert should not add their own biases and thoughts into the mix which is very difficult not to okay because when you think about a brand you already because you've gone through this exercise many times you already have very definitive ideas in your mind. which might be correct for the brand also but you always have to step back at least in the first initial couple of meetings allowing the the entire team to work towards to come to an understanding i i i enjoy working with teams where all of them have a voice and they all talk equally i've gone into meetings where only the leader there would be a, a de facto leader who would talk and everybody else says yes that's uh, brand exercise gone wrong at the beginning because whatever you say a single voice will then represent that person as that person's individual choice and however well they know their company and their customer etc 
when you ultimately create the brand they will be creating a brand which is like an identity or a reflection of that person not a good idea at all so whenever i go into a brand exercise first thing is learn to keep mum myself not put in my ideas into the mix because after a few exercises and after you've done it a few times you unknowingly think you know it right so keep quiet but then after a certain period of time you need so i've gone into brand exercises where because of this leadership thing the they said that they want a certain archetype they agreed to a certain thing they came out and they they were a certain kind of company but the archetype they chose did not have any relationship to their customer or user persona at that point in time as a brand expert you have to jump in and actually articulate what you think if you think that they're not going in the right direction then if you keep mum you're not doing your work so you do have to nudge them but i would only do that if i felt that it was going veering off in an entirely different direction that would not help them the other place where a lot of clients have needed help is attaching a color palette to their brand very difficult to do especially if you're talking to a group of engineers which has been my pleasure to do because they tend to wear to certain colors chitra right and uh, taking them away from those colors sometimes is very difficult to do because they they like for example my husband only wears blue shirts okay and he is a typical engineer you ask him to wear anything with any other color he's going to go crazy imagine him being in a brand exercise <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he would see is a blue <laughs> okay let's have a brand palette with just, blue <laughs> just to contrast that uh, with my partner he is comfortable in an array of colors maybe we should put them together put in a brand let's see what happens but but as um, engineering centric a very very uh, engineering oriented mind mm-hmm. you know and yes i've noticed that as well that the bluest seems to be the, the colors the grays yeah blacks mm. and an occasional green somewhere yeah pink orange blue uh, pink orange red mhm yeah so but that's stereotypical again right so what i'm trying to say over here is what we normally do for a brand exercises when they start get getting confused with the colors that the designer comes up with we actually put them into a cre- in an, into an artifact like maybe a social media creative or a banner of a email so that they can see how the colors play together to see how it would represent their company that actually makes them think and agree to something so i have this question coming up the minute you said that i am mm. somebody who responds to language and phrases mm. and words mm. not so much the color mm. and i'm sure uh, you know based on what you just said some people respond to color mm. and when they see color with the language then there's a different so it's almost like uh, different people respond to uh, messages or the creative in different ways yes so how does that all come together Then for an organization it's, it's it's almost magical like you say but i'm curious how yeah, it, have you seen that coming it, it does that's what we do with a brand exercise mm-hmm. so we, we we make them think about their user persona we make them agree on an archetype and then we start telling them that okay this is your archetype you're saying that it's a combination of a hero and a sage for example so if that's your combination of a hero and a sage how should that character look and feel and talk like and if that character were writing something how would the character write it right and then so the entire brand persona is a combination of what colors would be represented for the brand what font types would be used to the extent of what icons would be used 
okay what voice what kind of voice would it be would it be chirpy airy would it be authoritative humble right so what it does is all of these combinations like you rightly said it evokes an emotion in you right when you put the, the when you put a certain kind of of sentence in a certain font on a certain background of colors in a picture with a certain kind of icon it triggers an emotion in you what that emotion is is what we are trying to understand and if that emotion is correctly measured and we get that that is when the brand succeeds guys i think this is a beautiful way of you know tying up the many layers or the many phases i'd like to say of branding and uh, if if you were to teach branding hmm. let's say to students hmm. who were just coming out of college what would you tell them right now it's a science in itself but it also is about observation so it's a combination of it's a happy combination of scientific observation where you're being very methodical and clear about what you're hearing and saying and distilling that information out into something so it's like a vast array of information coming that you distill into a, the pockets that you want them to be but it's also design aesthetics it's also about your and it you should always understand that a brand exercise to be successful has to be a team effort on both sides and you need to know how to communicate with the client and you need to know how to communicate with your team members who all come with your own expertise into the exercise if you do that and you learn how to i guess sense the cues the ones that are said and the ones that are unsaid that's all you need you need to be a good listener to start with and there was also one point which i noted in the conversation earlier it's about making sure that you are inclusive mm. and getting others to be inclusive as well absolutely absolutely and being unbiased the fact that they they are allowed to be biased but you cannot be biased you cannot only hear what one person says just because that person is the perceived leader of the equation there could be somebody who's sitting in the corner okay who has not said a word but really knows his customer you need to be able to draw out people to speak you have to make them comfortable enough to be able to speak and that is the task that you bring to the table very quickly mm-hmm. how do you do that when you are in a remote branding session how is it that you encourage everybody in that space to bring out their points of view chitra the way i do it most of the time is by acting as if by being the every man <laughs> Okay I I sometimes ask um, I would call stupid questions yeah so I try to put myself in the shoe of the person who is silent there and come up with maybe vague questions that only that person can answer essentially to break the ice and but that only works if the company is free enough to allow everybody to speak okay mm. and regardless of whether it's a branding exercise or anything if you want to draw out people like we always say chitra whether it's branding or learning or whatever it has to be a safe space yeah people to actually give out their opinion and talk with what they really believe is happening uh, to say that the emperor is walking naked for example you need to be in a safe space otherwise you have to be an innocent right for that you can try your best to make it a safe space that they are able to talk but it also depends upon who they're sitting along with but at least you should not intimidate the person yeah right yeah. that's the only thing you can do and and also not perhaps lead them towards an answer that yeah, you know definitely definitely want a question for which which also ties into a lot of what we say during 
conducting user research. Yes. Just like keep set aside your biases. And, yeah. in, and in some sense, this is a kind of user research exercise as well. Exactly. It? It, it, exactly. At the end of the day, the crux of a branding exercise is to define the user persona. That is it. Okay. Because unless you find... So somebody was asking me recently that what's the point of doing a user persona in the branding exercise? You We are just finding our archetype. But your archetype, if you want the user to respond to you and actually listen to you, your brand archetype should be something that actually connects to the user. So if you don't understand your user... What brand archetype are you making? And that's your purpose in the first place. Exactly. You exist as a company because you are you found a solution to a problem yeah. that some somebody are, wants. Yeah. And you need to be able to talk to that somebody. And what we as as a brand exercise or as a branding expert, what we are trying to do is help you define your persona, which will then attract that somebody to you to listen to you. Because unless they listen to you, they don't have awareness. And without the awareness, you don't have conversion. Right. So, yeah, it's all about listening, wherever you're talking about. Thank you, Linda. I I feel like this was an interesting conversation in terms of understanding the, the process, the essence, the elements of what goes into, you know, perhaps building a good brand. And also lessons from your experiences, which I think will be useful to a lot of listeners, even if they're just curiosity listeners. So this has overall been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chitra. Please subscribe to The Edge Podcast on your favorite podcast channel. We are on Google, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and more. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. If you have stories to share and want to be featured on our podcast, write to us at podcasts at adepticlabs.com.